0: That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, I'm speaking to Dr. Gigi Grunval, senior scholar at the Center for Health Security at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She is an immunologist and the lead author of a new report from the Center about antibody testing. Let's listen. Dr. Grunwald, thank you so much for joining me. You are an immunologist, and you've just written this report about antibody testing through the Center for Health Security at Johns Hopkins. Can you just start by telling me what an antibody is?
1: Sure. So, an antibody is um, part of your response to an infection, and um, when you, if you were to get infected by a virus, part of your immune response is to develop antibodies, and and so hopefully you. You are able. That's part of the way that you're able to fight the um, a virus of.
0: So, antibody testing. What is it measuring? Actually,
1: it's measuring your response to the um, this, the illness. So, it's measuring. It's not measuring the virus itself. Um, you need the genetic testing the PCR testing for that, and that's the testing that everybody's been talking about. How they don't. Um, they're having troubles getting it. Uh, this is testing people's response to the virus. So, you you start um, making antibodies while you're infected, but you're you keep them after you've cleared the virus, and so you're able to find them uh, months, possibly we hope years after being infected.
0: So, a viral test for the coronavirus is. Going to be positive right when you're getting sick, right? And the anti- antibody test, on the other hand, might start turning positive at least a few days later, mm-hmm. but hopefully continue for quite some time to be positive.
1: Right. So there's the immune system is really complicated, but um, but this is part of the the first step of of being able to fight back against the virus. So your body reacts to it, produces antibodies. Um hopefully, some of those turn into long term memory and and so you're able to find those for other other viruses um, many months years later
0: so one somewhat technical question if you're measuring antibodies, how does a lab know that it's the antibodies to the coronavirus and not just some other antibody?
1: Yeah, so um, you have to have a piece of the virus itself to be able to to be able to Sift out the antibodies that, that you find in somebody's blood. Yeah, there are a few different techniques to do that, but um, you need to have something to bait the antibodies with, and, and that's a piece of the virus.
0: I see. So you're, it's sort of sifting through all the different antibodies and finding that somebody really has one specifically for this virus.
1: Right, right. Because you've got antibodies to lots of things.
0: I I certainly uh, certainly hope so. So, here's a question: <laughs> There are a lot of antibody tests now on the market mm-hmm. that are claiming to be able to do this. I think you know there may be ninety or so, and the FDA has said that they will allow them to be marketed at least for the time being without bringing evidence to the agency ahead of time. So, are they all the same? Do you have confidence in them all? What 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 are they actually measuring?
1: Right. So. So there's a bunch of of these tests that have come out. I think that the number is actually much larger than ninety. I heard one hundred and twenty tests that are that are in the market right now and I do not have confidence in them and, and nor do a lot of other people so they, more than one person I've heard describe this as a wild West situation where you have lots of different tests. who knows if the stated accuracy of those tests is really really true so we we are trying to a big need and what something our study calls for is for validation of these tests. And so that you can compare them and not all of the tests are going to be reviewed by the FDA, but.
0: So for the um, tests that are valid. So let's say we get a process right now where there are studies done to see which tests are actually measuring antibodies and measuring them accurately. Are they all measuring the same kind of antibody, or are they measuring different aspects of the antibody response?
1: So we have a, a, a little thing on this in our report, if people are interested in further detail. But you first start with this type of antibody called IgM, and then you, um, as you get more over the infection, you see this other type, type called IgG. But you usually measure IgM, IgG, and and it helps to tell you how far along you are in in the infection or whether you're over it.
0: So these tests could tell you a little bit more about what kind of antibody you have and potentially how much of the antibody, too, that you might have?
1: Yes. There are some tests that just say plus or minus. You have been exposed to it. You have not been exposed to it. There are other tests that are able to tell you just how much antibody you have. And, um, and that will be important when we can figure out if there's a certain level of antibody that you need to be protected. But right now, we, we just don't have a lot of this information, not because people aren't looking, but because it just hasn't been enough time to do these studies.
0: All right. So I want to get into that in a little bit more detail. So first, we want a test that really measures antibodies, right. the way that it says it measures antibodies. Mm-hmm. When we have that we will at least know that somebody's been infected right? in the past. right? I mean, that we will know for sure. And what good is that information alone?
1: Well, that piece of information is very useful for public health to know just what percentage of your area, what your city, your, the place that you're, you're living has had exposure to the virus. And it gives you a sense with other studies of how fast things are spreading. But where I think a lot of the demand is going to be um, is for individuals who are going to want to know if they've been exposed. And do you want me to talk about why that might be dangerous? Um, sure. Because even though you know, if you were sick a few months ago, you might think, oh, I think that must have been the COVID. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm protected. And you get this antibody result. And lo and behold, it was, it was the virus. But we just don't know if that means that you're protected yet. And and so that's the danger, because we don't know if having an antibody to the, the virus means that you're protected, one, and two, if there's a particular level that you need to have to be protected. And until we have that data, it's really caveat emptor.
0: Got it. So I think what you're saying, and just make sure I understand, is that first we want tests that are accurate and valid right when we have those mm-hmm. we'll know whether people have been exposed and that may help public health mm-hmm. know just how far the virus has spread in a community but people want more people want to know whether they're going to be protected from getting sick again and for that even if it's a valid test that's measuring antibodies we won't necessarily know right away whether people will be protected that's from getting correct. sick again that's correct well people but people may say i thought antibodies are protective. I thought, antibodies helped me fight off the infection. So why wouldn't I be protected? What, 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 why isn't that so obvious to a scientist?
1: Well, um, I mean, for lots of infections, it, um, antibodies are protective. And people, when people get infected by them, then they don't get infected again. But that's not true of all viruses. So you could have a reaction. To the virus, but it might be that they you didn't form the right kind of antibodies. They weren't specific enough for the virus itself to block viruses from from um, hijacking your cells. There's lots of details that unfortunately take time to get that those answers. And and since we don't have them yet, they're a priority to figure out. But that's why. That's why we we just don't know. I mean, I really, really hope that this podcast is like completely overtaken by events in a week or two or three or four. But every day, there's a lot of science around this that that comes out. But at this moment that we're recording right now, we can't say that it, this tests have meaning beyond knowing that you were exposed at some point.
0: Right, So just because a test can show that you got the antibody to the virus doesn't mean that that antibody can actually uh, do the job you wish it could do in the real world, yet.: yeah. That's
1: right. Mm-hmm.
0: And so um, talk to me about like the use of antibody tests if we were to know that, if we were to know. That a certain kind of antibody test was very valid, and in fact, it did predict future immunity. How do you think that kind of test might be used?
1: Well, that was actually what drew me to this to begin with, because I was assuming, like, well, if you've been exposed, then we will figure out soon if it um, if it's protective, and then we've got a slew of other problems that we need to think about. And um, so, if if we do figure out that um, antibody tests they work, they show that you, if you're exposed, that you're immune. Then we need to think about how, well, first of all, lots of people need to get tested. People who are in essential worker categories will probably want to know if they don't need to worry about it so much. Um, They can relax their physical distancing measures, things like that. But it will be tricky to uh, what happens next because you don't want to create any perverse incentives where people might feel that they need to have exposure to the virus to, to go back to work or to relax uh, constraints about where they go and, and who they see and how big It sort of switches,
0: switches from the scientific to the legal ethical dimension pretty quickly at that point.
1: Uh, pretty quickly, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: You have to think about um, if you're going to give special privileges to certain people based on their immune status, whether that's the right thing to do or could it be counterproductive.
1: Right, and there's not only the potential of having a system in place that does that, that discriminates by default, but there's also the potential of a fraud. So then people would maybe get their paperwork, or have an immune status that that doesn't actually exist in real life. So, and that's to that's to no one's benefit because if they're vulnerable to the virus, then they could potentially be another source to spread the virus. So no, it, it's good for no one if people lie or are forced to lie about their, their status.
0: Got it. So it sounds like step one, get valid tests. Right. Know that the tests are actually right. measuring antibodies. Step two, um, and, and under step one, you could figure out some good data on how many people have been exposed. Then step two, mm-hmm. let's figure out whether these tests really do predict immunity and to what extent, and maybe it's a certain level of antibody or that, that does that, but there needs to be research on that. And then step three, once we figure out whether that is in fact true, if it's true, we've really got to tackle some interesting policy and ethical issues.
1: And legal, yes.
0: <laughs> yes, policy, legal, I'm not legal, a lawyer, ethical. but I,
1: I know that that sounds like a legal problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, excellent. Now... Um, how long do you think for us to move through these steps? How long do you think before we know whether these tests are valid? First, first question.
1: Um, I think the validity of the tests and being able to compare them. I think there's a there are a lot of studies that are ongoing. I expect in the next couple of weeks we'll hear more about which studies or which of the tests are have more behind them um, and and aren't fraudulently uh, representing themselves. And the FDA has already taken some action against some companies that have misrepresented what they're doing. So there's that. Figuring out immunity um, Right, duration. for step two here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long will it take to figure out whether the tests are really predicting immunity, do you think?
1: So that is going to take, I think, a few more weeks, a couple months. But I don't know. And I hope I'm very wrong. And it's very soon.
0: Right. Well, and but on the flip side, it could be longer, depending on mm-hmm. how long the studies take.
1: Absolutely. And then people will worry as well of like if the, if the immunity is not durable, even if it exists for a certain period of time, we have to we have to think about what that means.
0: Good. There'll be a need for ongoing research for sure. Exactly. Got it. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, it um, sounds like we may wind up talking again, but uh, this report that you've done really lays out the state of the science. It squares up these different issues, and I think it's going to be really important because there's been so much noise about antibody testing, and, and you're really shining a light on what people need to know. So thank you so much for thank for you. doing that and for joining me.
1: Thank you very much. I just want to say also it's a team of people at the center that have worked on this, so they, they, it's, it's a a solid report with a great team behind it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Public Health on Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharfstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamare Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen McCusker and Spencer Greer with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.